We want our 12 million supporters to be heard. I just want their votes to be counted. Is that too much to ask? Maybe. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is The Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove, in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and blanketing planet Earth five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us as we go to air. Surprise, surprise, breaking news. Uh, Yes, we're uh, keeping our eyes on uh, Istanbul, where at least 28 people have been killed, 60 others wounded, in an attack at the Istanbul Atatürk Airport in Turkey, according to Turkey's uh, semi-official news agency Anadolu, according to CNN. At least two suicide bombers were also killed. One attacker apparently opened fire and then detonated himself at the airport entrance. In total, three bombs now are said to have exploded. One of them was located outside the terminal. The other was at the security gate at the entrance to the airport. CNN uh, reports that authorities say no bombs exploded within the airport building itself in what is one of the most secure airports in the world, according to CNN. Um, There are no indications at this time of any American casualties at this point, uh, they report. So we will keep our eyes on that. Um, and uh, and other breaking news as we move forward throughout the hour. I've spoken a lot this season, this election season, as I frankly do in all election seasons, and even when it's not election season, now that I think about it, about the problems that voters uh, had at the polls this year and about the problems that we've, we've had knowing if votes were counted, if they've been counted accurately. Uh, I've also been pretty hard on some folks, most notably Bernie Sanders supporters, for shouting fraud and uh, the election was stolen by Hillary or by the DNC without actually having the, you know, verifiable evidence to support that very serious charge. And I have no problem making that charge. People who have, uh, you know, followed my work over the past decade know um, I'll call out whoever. I got no problems. But the evidence needs to be good and independently verifiable. I've also spoken throughout the season about how it's a difficult needle, frankly, for me to thread uh, in calling people out 
for claiming a stolen election without the evidence, uh, because I know that there are huge, huge problems with our electoral system. I don't know that anybody has been louder in this country over the past 10 plus years about this and about the problems that we have both voting uh, and our counting systems particularly when it's nearly impossible to know if votes are counted accurately with the computer systems that we use. And I'm talking about both the touchscreens and the computer optical scan systems that, that tally paper ballots. So I'm, I'm glad that people are finally noticing that we have a very serious problem here. But in order to correct it, we need to know exactly what the problem is and how it can be corrected and uh, how there are things that folks can do right now. Even with the crappy system that we have, the things that people can do right now to protect votes, including those, by the way, that are still being tallied out here in California. I was talking about all of this uh, earlier today with my friend Nicole Sandler and with Randy Rhodes uh, on the air. I will uh, I'll be joined shortly this hour by a Bernie Sanders supporter who I can confirm seems to have saved tens of thousands of votes for both Bernie and Hillary, by the way, save those votes from being tossed completely out here in Los Angeles County and maybe even across the rest of the state of California, where, yes, votes are still being tallied from the June 7th election. Um, The person I'll talk to shortly uh, did this by getting down to the county headquarters, trying to watch the vote tallying, noticing a serious problem, bringing it to the attention of election officials and then seeing the entire process uh, for tallying votes here in Los Angeles changed, just changed uh, the entire process changed due to her diligence and her oversight. I'll explain all of that shortly. She will join me. Also, Desi Doyen will join me a little bit later with the Green News report on the uh, deadly flooding in West Virginia, the fires in California, and much more. I also want to get to a correction from yesterday's show very quickly here. Uh, The Dow fell uh, 260 points on Monday following the Brexit vote last week. Uh, That was after a 600, just over 600 point uh, fall in the Dow on Friday and then 260 points on Monday, Uh, not 260 points uh, down. That is not the 800 points that I reported that it was down yesterday. That not entirely my fault. That is actually what my iPhone's uh, uh, stock app said. I had checked it during the break. Uh, to get the latest since I know that it had uh, plunged on Monday. And I can't tell you why, uh, but it had said it had fallen 800 points. It didn't. It only fell 260 points. Um, So if I alarmed anybody with that, my apologies for my error. I wanted to get that straight. Uh, I guess it did fall over 800 points between Friday and Monday. Uh, In any event, my error, uh, maybe some good news here. It's actually up 270 points uh, today, so it's coming back. But um, there's my correction on that. Okay, uh, more news today. The House Benghazi report. This is, what, the eighth report on Benghazi. Uh, This is the special select House Select Committee on Benghazi has now issued its final report. And you'll be shocked to learn it finds, quote, no new evidence of wrongdoing by Hillary Clinton, at least according to The New York Times. I have yet to read the 800 page report out today. 
But uh, according to the Times, there is no new evidence or culpability of wrongdoing by Hillary Clinton in the 2012 attacks in Libya that left four Americans dead. The, uh, the report does deliver a broad rebuke of government agencies like the Defense Department, the CIA, the State Department, uh, and the officials who led them. That would include Hillary Clinton as she led the State Department uh, for failing to grasp the acute security risks in Benghazi and especially for maintaining outposts that they could not protect. The report uh, includes an exhaustive chronology uh, of the attacks and their aftermaths, uh, and it did not dispute that U.S. military forces stationed in Europe could not have reached Benghazi in time to rescue the personnel who died there. That's a central finding of previous inquiries as well, and I think there were seven previous inquiries. Um, the uh, lack of a clear-cut finding of professional misconduct or dereliction of duty uh, was cert is certain to fuel further criticism of the uh, length of the investigation of this particular House investigation, which has gone on more than two years, has cost more than $7 million. And uh, as Republicans have admitted, it was uh, generally meant to damage Hillary Clinton and her presidential prospects. So um, that's what we have. Nothing new. Uh, really, nothing new of note, nothing new that we didn't already know about Benghazi. Uh, this is the uh, committee that did discover, by the way, or at least uh, make hay of the private email server that Hillary Clinton was using during her years as Secretary of State, even though that information had already come out to anybody who had communicated with her via that email, including folks in Congress. But it was this investigation that uh, made a, a broad issue of this and the investigation of that private email server continues. Um, and in fact, uh, there, there was some uh, violation of rules, uh, according to the uh, State Department's investigator, um, Inspector General's report on that. The Democrats, for their part, on this select committee did not sign on to the uh, to the final results. They say the Benghazi effort has dragged on longer, uh, far longer than uh, more what they describe as more important congressional inquiries like the ones into the 9-11-2001 terror attacks, the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, the attack on Pearl Harbor and the response to Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and they also complained about uh, being excluded from the uh, development of the panel's conclusion. So uh, that's where we are uh, at this time on Benghazi. Uh, nothing new, more of the same. In the meantime, uh, when it comes to this election and Hillary Clinton's chances, well, Donald Trump's chances just got much worse, according to a number of new polls, specifically the Washington Post ABC News poll which now shows that uh, Bernie Sanders backers are moving very, very quickly over to Hillary Clinton. Last month, just 20 percent, well, 20, a full 20 percent of Sanders supporters said that they would back Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton in the general election. This month, however, that figure has plummeted to 8 percent. Only 8 percent of those who uh, support Bernie Sanders now say they'll vote for Donald Trump. That's good news for Hillary Clinton, according to this ABC Washington uh, ABC Post. I'm sorry, Washington Post ABC News poll out this week. It shows that uh, Trump support is plunging uh, and um, 
Democratic uh, candidate Hillary Clinton, she now holds a double-digit lead nationally over Donald Trump by 11 points. One point uh, of this poll caught my eye, however. Uh, The question of, uh, let's see here, thinking about the election in November, which of these two statements comes closest to your, your own views? After eight years of Barack Obama, we need to elect a president who can set the nation in a new direction or... We need to keep the country moving in the new in the direction that Obama has been taking us. Well, 56 percent of respondents want to see a new direction for the country. Just 38 percent want to see the country continue moving in the direction that President Obama has been taking us. And yet Hillary Clinton uh, has been making her case that she wants to continue the work being done by President Obama. So we'll see. Anyway, good news nationally for Hillary Clinton in that poll, 11 points. However, another poll out also this week, this one from NBC News, Washington, uh, Wall Street Journal, finds that she only has a five point lead nationally. And of course, since we don't have national elections, we got to drill down to the battleground states. And in those battleground states, those are all that ultimately end up mattering, uh, really. Um, Hillary Clinton has just a slight lead over Donald Trump in a number of those states. New numbers uh, show that uh, she leads Trump in Florida, but by only three points. Uh, She has just a one point lead over Donald Trump in, in Colorado. In Wisconsin, she has a five point lead over Trump. And in North Carolina, she has just a two point lead. Um, So, you know, despite the uh, plunging approval ratings and polling for Donald Trump, uh, it's still a long way to go for whoever the Democratic candidate is going to be at this point. It certainly looks like it's going to be Hillary Clinton. But that fight in November is going to come down to votes and the ability to count votes. And we have just learned out here in the state of California that tens of thousands of them which should have been counted, were almost thrown away, and now they will be counted thanks to the diligence of citizens overseeing the counting of ballots out here in California. I will explain all of that and more after this quick break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Love LA too. Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com with you here. Uh, okay, we've got uh, a really interesting story that may have resulted in tens of thousands of votes being saved out here in California. Uh, bear with me as I explain what's happening here. Uh, the vote counting, yes, it continues 
here in California. Yes, still following our June 7th presidential primary election. For those of you keeping track, that would be almost exactly three weeks ago at this point with uh, with just over uh, half a million unprocessed votes still left to count across the state as of the latest numbers that I received from the Secretary of State's office this morning. Uh, the largest uh, number of unprocessed votes uh, are almost all provisional ballots, and the, the largest number is here in Los Angeles County, the largest voting jurisdiction in both the state and the country, by the way. According to the numbers that I received last night, from the L.A. County Registrar Recorder County Clerk Dean Logan, there are about 110,000 provisional ballots that are still being processed. That means they're being verified to make sure the voter is was properly registered and uh, then included in the uh, in the final tallies. In Los Angeles, most of our votes are on hand-marked paper ballots, at least for now. That's going to be changing in the near future when we go to 100% unverifiable touchscreens in the next year or two, but uh, that's a complaint for another day. For now, uh, we use hand-marked paper ballots, which are run through a computer optical scan system, and they are counted either accurately or inaccurately. Who knows? Nobody knows because they don't really check to find out. Now, the counting across the state must be completed for the June 7th primary election, must be completed and certified by the Secretary of State by July 8. As of now, Hillary Clinton continues to lead Bernie Sanders reportedly by about eight and a half points statewide, according to the Secretary of State's latest numbers today. That margin has narrowed uh, from the originally 12 point or so mar lead that she had just after election night. So it's about a 400,000 vote margin for Hillary Clinton with some 500,000 votes left to process across the state. In L.A. County, the margin for Clinton stands at about 150,000 votes or a little bit more than 10 percent with uh, about 110,000 votes still left to be processed here in L.A. County which many Bernie Sanders supporters believe are likely to lean heavily towards him. We'll see. But due to the diligence and oversight of citizen observers here in L.A. County, tens of thousands of votes in that Democratic presidential primary that would have otherwise been discarded entirely, those votes will now be counted by the L.A. County Registrar. I can confirm. I'm happy to confirm. To explain this, I need to explain very quickly the ridiculously messed up way that uh, the California Democratic Party has decided to run their primary out here in California. Essentially, voters who are registered in the state with uh, no party preference, they're unaffiliated, they're not Democrats, they're not Republicans or any of the other third parties, so-called, they're, no par they're called no party preference or NPP voters, as we call it out here. Those NPP voters are allowed to ask for a Democratic crossover ballot. That means they're NPP voters, but they'd like to vote in the Democratic primary if they wish. If they ask for that, they're given what is called an NPP Dem crossover ballot. It's slightly different from the regular Democratic ballots in that the uh, unaffiliated voters are not allowed to vote in the Democratic Party committee races and so forth, but they are allowed to vote in the Democratic presidential primary if they want to. In L.A., however, 
Uh, and again, forgive me, this gets into the weeds, but I think it's really important to understand the problem and this fantastic solution. In any way, uh, okay, so here in L.A., uh, in a number of other counties and in a no- number of other counties, according to my reporting, some of those NPP Dem crossover voters were given Democratic provisional ballots instead of NPP Dem provisional ballots in cases where, you know, they needed to cast a provisional if they weren't on the rolls or if they were shown to be vote by mail voters for some reason. In those cases, if an NPB voter had been given a Democratic ballot to cast provisionally instead of an NPP Dem crossover ballot, the poll workers, uh, the the poll worker who gave them that ballot was uh, supposed to explain why on the envelope for the provisional. Make a note that this voter wanted to vote Democratic and we ran out of crossover ballots or some other reason to make it clear uh, why this voter was given a Democratic ballot instead of a NPP Dem crossover ballot. All right. Now, Citizen observers at the L.A. County headquarters over the past week or two have been watching the tallying as it's been going on, watching which ballots are being included and which ones are not. And they noticed that a number of Democratic ballots were not being included in the presidential race because, as the uh, county clerk, Dean Logan, told me, there was no indication on the envelope that the voter meant to specifically vote in the Democratic primary. But in fact, the as the L.A., uh, I'm sorry, as the California Elections Code makes clear, it is the intent of the voter, not an error by a poll worker, which should always take precedent. And after the observers, the citizens observers noticed the problem and that uh, potentially uh, as many as 60,000 votes may have been discarded uh, improperly. Uh, or unnecessarily, at least, after the observers noticed this problem, brought it to the attention of officials, um, they looked at changing the process. Now, I pressed County Clerk Dean Logan on why there would be a Democratic ballot inside that provisional envelope at all, unless the voter had expressed intent. Never mind what the poll worker uh, wrote on the outside of the envelope. Doesn't matter. If they you know, were given a Democratic ballot, it's probably because they wanted to vote in the Democratic presidential primary. Now, eventually, Dean Logan decided to review their procedures and has now decided to go back and reprocess more than 2,000 such ballots. And he announced that he would count all of the remaining de- uh, Democratic ballots that were cast by NPP voters in the presidential race. On Monday night, Logan told me via email that, quote, the number of ballots that were reviewed and reprocessed to include presidential votes is 2,801. That number constitutes the provisional ballots processed and originally counted before the clarification of voter intent procedure that was made in L.A. County. So L.A. County announced a new procedure that it would now be voter intent Uh, that would determine this and that voter intent was determinable by the fact that there was a Democratic ballot in there at all. Citizen observers have estimated that some 60,000 votes that might have otherwise been discounted and not included in the tally at all here in L.A. County have now been saved by the new process by L.A. County. And that is all thanks to the careful observation 
of citizens overseeing the tallies, as I have long been begging folks to do all over the country. Joining me now to discuss this entire fine mess is the Citizen Observer, who initially noticed this problem in L.A. County a week or so ago, which has now saved so many votes. Julie Tyler is a documentary filmmaker. She's a longtime Angelino. And she's working with a group of observers across California, loosely affiliated and organizing under the name Ballots for Bernie. Julie Tyler, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Thank you for having me. I'm glad uh, to be here. Uh, gr- great to have you here. And you sat through that uh, confusing introduction, but I felt like we had to explain what the hell was actually going on to people who are not in California. And frankly, t- even to people who are in California, did I generally explain this entire fine mess accurately or did I screw something up? Yeah, no, you did. Uh, you explained the open or semi-open primary that California has, the difference between um, sort of what California electoral code requires and then what the Democratic Party requires or, um, you know, to allow people to vote in its primary who aren't Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the statistics, you know, the numbers um, as far as how many votes were cast in California and, and how many um, NPP, no party preference voters, mm-hmm. uh, potentially whose votes were saved, um, you know, the, the day that, that we were down there observing and how important just this wider problem is and how important it is for observers to be on hand when these tallies are being done uh, for the very reason and, and and not to mention how educational it is well and and to me frankly that's the key lesson no matter how this race ends up turning out no matter if bernie wins or hillary wins uh it's the idea that the citizens need to oversee the process as you did in this case now tell me how and why did you initially get involved in the the citizen oversight process have you done this before and how did you initially discover the problem at the la county election headquarters that has uh, now changed the way they process ballots and and saved uh, tens of thousands of uh, votes. Yeah, uh, I mean, it really was due to being a campaign volunteer. I was on the Bernie Sanders campaign and spent uh, the greater part of a year working really hard. And after the June 7th primary, we realized after the Secretary of State published the number of ballots that had to still be processed, which was 2.58 million ballots, a group of us realized very quickly that this was going to take some time and that we should really have some oversight. And uh, Lawrence Steiner, who's a longtime activist and also a Bernie supporter, started Ballots for Bernie. And it took four or five days to kind of get a system up and running whereby we could field all of the inquiries which amounted to some four or 5,000 emails that were coming in to the point where she couldn't even respond anymore. So mm. we got a bunch of people on board and kind of organized a system for getting these contact, you know, the contact information and breaking into teams and finding leaders for each county. And, of course, Los, Los Angeles County being so large, um, it became clear we had to have lots of people, you know, going down to that office. Mm-hmm. So um, a few of us kind of took the lead on that Um and before doing so, we had a long conversation, a conference call with a woman named Judy Alter, who has many uh, mm-hmm. years, maybe two decades worth of citizen oversight for sure. elections and, um, yeah, insight to this area. And basically the, the gist of it was this is absolutely something that we should be doing, that we are allowed to do. You'll find it fascinating. And the number one thing to remember is just question everything. And 
in fact, if you don't have any knowledge uh, over this process, that's really a great place, you know, a mindset mm-hmm. to have. And I did not. So just going down there, you you first are asked to watch a little orientation, which tells observers what they are allowed to do and not do. And it's all very obvious. You know, you can't hover over people while they're trying to do their work and, mm-hmm. you know, take pictures, which unfortunately would, would be really useful. But you can absolutely take notes and, and ask, again, as many questions as possible, and they are required to answer them. So you are escorted by someone who's giving you essentially a, a tour, which mm-hmm. we sort of decided that it was really the Disneyland tour. And um, on uh, first observation, you feel very comforted by the fact that you see that there are lots of different checks and balances. You know, three different people have to look into a person's file and find that they are not registered and not found, you know, they can't find them in the system before they will, you know, cancel their vote. Um, when they do the 1% tally, they have to use red wax uh, pencils, and we mm-hmm. can talk more about that, but yeah. that's a manual uh, cross-referencing action to help verify the machine vote on election night. And, you and, feel and, good about what you're seeing. And, and just yeah, to, you're just, allowed to go just, into all the rooms. Just, uh-huh. to, just to clarify uh, that 1%, yeah. and we will try to talk about that in a bit, that's the post-election spot check that they do or supposedly uh, do a hand count of a 1% of the uh, uh, of the precincts randomly drawn. We'll get to that in a second. But how, w- yeah. when you found the problem, and by the way, thanks for mentioning Judy Alter. She has been uh, for years, uh, you know, observing everything that uh, goes on after elections down there at the uh, headquarters in L.A. County here. Um, so she has been a great champion of citizen oversight uh, post-election. Uh, so after you found the, the, the specific problem and and you noticed that they were not counting these Democratic ballots properly. You brought it to the attention of election officials. What was the initial response? Were, were they appreciative and, and welcoming? Because it did take, I think, a, a number of days before they finally realized the problem themselves and announced the, uh, the new procedures for counting these ballots. Well, um, I think it happened a little more quickly than that. We we uh, were up in one of the rooms, and I'd been down there like four times before that, and so I was really familiar with the different rooms and what they were doing, and they had just started processing the provisionals, which is kind of important to know. They do all the vote-by-mails first. Mm-hmm. So we at least we were there right when they started counting the provisionals. And um, I simply was uh, asking as I was in this room, they were deprocessing those provisional pink envelopes and snagging the ones that were problematic. And so I was noticing on the top of one of the piles um, the description on the outside of the provisional whereby the voter has filled it out, signed it, and states clearly the way they intend to vote. And then there's a section for the ballot that they were given and also what their registration is. So mm-hmm. I was noticing it was a nonpartisan voter who mm-hmm. was given a Democratic voted uh, vote uh, ballot and intended to vote Democratic. And so I, I just simply asked to talk to the supervisor and really explain to me why that was wrong. I didn't understand why it was in the snagged pile. And he explained because they were registered as nonpartisan, they were to have filled out uh, the nonpartisan ballot. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, but that would mean that their vote for president, there would be no vote for president on that ballot. So it would effectively cancel it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah. And I said, I don't understand that. They are crossover voters. Uh, in other words, to me, it was more like a, a verb that you are crossing over to vote as a Democrat, you know, 
not realizing that there really was, in fact, a specific ballot. So I said, well, I don't get why you have to remake it, or where does, let's go walk over to the remake room. So we watched. And, and let me, let me, Julie, that. let me explain that since you brought it up. Uh, the remake, yeah. and I kind of find this offensive, but they actually remake these ballots by hand when there's a problem, when it can't be run through the machine for any of these reasons we're mentioning, and they actually remake it onto another ballot and then run it through the computer rather than hand counting it. So, uh, and and actually, Julie, I don't want to get too deep into the to the weeds there, but uh, after this was brought to your attention, brought to their attention, uh, they eventually changed the process. Were they welcoming of that? And is there any evidence that that you spot that that makes you believe that this was nefarious, or was this just a an overall failure of the of the way they were carrying out the process this year? I think that it might be a combination of both. I think it's a combination of the very um, specific process that you a have to process these ballots, and they have to be in a in a in a, um, mm-hmm. a position or in a state that they can go through the central tabulator machine and be tallied. So they showed us many reasons why ballots are remade. Kids, you know, scribble all over them, so mm-hmm. the ballot has to get remade. Or people write the name of a candidate on the ballot, that has to get remade. Or in this case, the nonpartisan voter was given a Democratic ballot, and now the ballot has to get remade. And that was where the problem uh, existed, mm-hmm. was that those ballots then did not have a space for president. And so what happens is the clerk scans it in the computer, this computer indicates the boxes that that voter is not eligible to vote for, i.e. president, but it could have been, you know, other cal- um, mm-hmm. Democratic central office office offices that also got canceled. And so then the ballot is now ready to run through the machine. So the the machine actually is really remaking it. And so when we saw this was happening and that clearly their intention was to vote for the presidential office as a nonpartisan voter crossing over on the Democratic ticket. And I said, let me see a ballot then that does not suffer this fate. What does it look like? So they finally showed us, uh, you know, the example of the NPP slash Dem ballot, which is the crossover ballot versus the straight NPP ballot versus the straight Dem ballot. So then it became very clear. And we said, well, this is not right. We need to speak to a supervisor. And they were not, you know, they were a little huffy and puffy, the supervisor on that particular floor. And then we asked to speak to Dean Logan's, um, you know, somebody who works directly under him. Mm-hmm. And his name is Aaron Navarez. And he, um, we spoke at length for 30 minutes or so about why this was a problem. And he did try and explain, well, it's just really that this is the process. It's kind of complicated. And, and it does have to do with blending, elect, you know, California code to the party requirements. Mm-hmm. But this is just... A plus B equals C, and now this holistic, you know, effort to vote for president is thrown out. So it's still not acceptable. And 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 he said, let me go and consult, and I will be back. And some maybe an hour later, after he returned, uh, he said, I think you're going to be really pleased to know that we are going to now um, process that particular ballot. Uh, differently, we're going to be remaking it into the crossover ballot, which is the ballot that they should have gotten in the first place. And, you know, all these questions, well, how many have been processed and why did they get that ballot in the first place? And was it because they ran out of them at the polls? Did the poll worker not understand? Could it have been the voter who didn't understand and, you know, thought maybe mm-hmm. this crossover ballot sounded strange and they insisted because they knew they were able to vote on the Democratic ticket? I mean, 
for somebody who is as involved as, as we were, we didn't even really understand. So but, but it just you, goes to show you that, you know, they really were asking those voters, though, to go through an extra step. And I think that's um, really um, unconstitutional when it comes down to it. And this is going to be part of the lawsuit, I think, that comes out of, of San Diego and, um, and California statewide, because you can't ask a voter, apparently, to take an extra step like that. Julie, and clearly, it was all about the intention of the voter, which was very clear. Yeah. Julie Tyler, do you, do you think uh, you, you said you thought it was a little bit nefarious? Are, are, you're not suggesting or are you suggesting that there was uh, some a foul play here, that they were trying to stack the deck one way or another for Bernie Sanders, for Hillary Clinton. Uh, do you have any evidence to support that uh, that charge? No, I don't have any evidence to support that um, on the ground in Los Angeles County at that registrar's office. I think that when you look at so many voters, in this case in L.A. County, some 66,500 voters, and, and now the Secretary of State you know, because we really wanted to know, can we get a statement from L.A. County that mm-hmm. that we can then press, you know, to the Secretary of State so he can send out a memo mm-hmm. to all the counties requiring them and asking them, are you processing them in this way? And it was, I think, different in each county up until that point. But I think that, again, you're, you've marginalized so many voters by making it more difficult. And mm-hmm. what I do find very curious is having looked through transcripts from 2008, where he was questioned with the Board of Supervisors um, back then about problems with nonpartisan voters and the double bubble or some issue with yeah. the ballot where it was too complicated. And see, I wasn't paying attention back then, but <laughs> clearly there was a problem back then affecting these NPP voters. And here we are again, eight years later, and you know, you have up to, I don't know, 580,000 voters across California then whose votes would not have counted. And again, it has nothing to do with the candidate. But when your intention is to vote for president and, you know, we we can talk about the vote by mail issue. I mean, once we saw what happened with those provisionals mm-hmm. where they obviously had the intention to vote for president, um, they just it, it ha- were on the wrong ballot. But, you know, that's a technicality that is the state's problem, not the voter's problem. And now you have vote by mail voters. Um, there's a lot of question as to why people's uh, status was changed permanent vote by mail when mm-hmm. they never requested to do so. Not that that's a bad thing. I think people would argue, um, don't do it. But that doesn't hold water with me. I'm, I'm a traveler. You know, my husband has no party preference, and he's a permanent vote by mail. Right. And, and that's, you know, people with disabilities, et cetera. So I just wonder, I've had other people very knowledgeable in this area and attorneys say it just, it it smacks of something that's been set up. They basically made it into a closed primary. Well, effectively, that's what they did. Well, and and that remains to be seen. And thanks to lawsuits and thanks to the oversight and and for what it's worth, uh, I was certainly on the front lines of that 2008 fight testifying against what happened, uh, what Dean Logan, uh, the process that he used at the time. And for what it's worth, the process that we have now, which is 
arguably as confusing, was actually put in place to sort of counter, to avoid what happened back in 2008. And it looks like it has opened up a whole new can of worms. But uh, thanks to you and the other uh, observers with the uh, ballots for Bernie, at least tens of thousands of votes were once again saved, no matter who they were for, to be frank. Now, uh, you had mentioned, so Logan came out, he made this official announcement, we're changing the process here. Uh, And do you know, I haven't been able to confirm with the Secretary of State yet, but you mentioned uh, when we spoke earlier that he's now trying to inform other counties to change their processes for counting the same types of ballots as well. Is that uh, what I understand? Yeah, that's my understanding. Okay. That's my understanding that the Secretary of State weighed in, and I don't know how he would have put out a memo or what have you to all the registrar offices, um, essentially establishing that the way that it should be processed, which was they should have been given an NPP Dem crossover mm-hmm. ballot, and if they were not, if it had to be remade, then it should be made into that type of ballot, or they were just going to count the Dem ballots as they were and keep that presidential vote, it, and then maybe cross out the the offices that don't apply to the NPP voter, if that makes sense. Uh, no, not really, but that's uh, <laughs> that's the process we have at this point in California. Uh, and uh, and the sad part, at least to me, uh, is that even if th- those uh, votes are now included in the tally, ultimately, we don't really know if they're counted accurately. We mentioned very quickly that 1% post-election spot check that's uh, supposed to be a random 1% of, uh, of, of precincts selected at random and in public, but in Fresno County, for example, the county clerk up there reportedly selected that uh, random 1% of precincts weeks before the election even happened, which is mind-blowing, yeah. kind of takes out the uh, the idea of, of random if they know which precincts are going to be the spot-check uh, precincts. Uh, and in San Diego County, uh, there's also a, a, a fight down there about, uh, you know, whether the, the full 1% of votes are being included uh, in, the, in the post-election tally or if it's only right. votes that were counted on election night. Uh, Julie, I've, right. I've got... Right, if they don't include yeah. the vote... By- by mails and the provisionals, it's certainly not random, and you can't take certain precincts out of what they would refer to as batches and just, you know, make your own uh, mm-hmm. selection. In L.A. County, it was explained to us that um, instead of a machine doing those random selections, they actually use a manual, almost like putting pieces of t- folded paper in a fishbowl. Yeah. You know, it's one of those the hand-cranked uh uh, I don't even know what it's a mechanism like on the lottery. Well, no, they choose them out of a yeah, they choose them out of a hat, and they let observers, they let citizens be the ones to to choose them out. I've got just a minute or two here, Julie. But uh, even if your candidate, uh, in this case Bernie Sanders, doesn't win this primary, uh, will you do this again in November? And would you recommend that others do do so as well? Not just here in L.A., not just in California, but around the country. Would you would you recommend that to uh, your fellow voters? Look, I'm, I'm going to really refer to Bernie Sanders, who I think has awakened this idea in so many people that it's our democracy and it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And it's not something that those people do over there. It's what we're, we have to take part. And frankly, I found the whole thing fascinating. And even to learn something as uh, simple as they talk about on election night when, the, when you're watching the returns, you know, 100% of that precinct has re- been reported. I always thought, and so did everybody else, that that meant that they were counted. So you're seeing the numbers and you're either happy or you're not. 
only to find out that it simply means they've just arrived on the premise of the registrar's office, either by helicopter or sheriff. It has nothing to do with the fact that they've been counted. So you just learn all of this information, which is um, fascinating. And, and again, how empowering to know that simply being there and observing that you can find errors and weigh in and that as a democracy, you know, these questions have to be answered. And it's simply even the attorney we were with the other night, some one woman said, you know, I, I'm a little of an amateur on this and I don't really know all of this stuff. And, you know, he said, look, we're all amateurs. We're all doing the best we can. And it's simply <laughs> yep. by be, taking part and being engaged that we improve the, the system and, and make, make it better the next time. So everybody has that power. Thank you. Thank you, Julie, for saying that. Thanks for your work, for being a, a citizen observer and for, frankly, saving untold thousands of ballots uh, out here in California, no matter who they were cast for. Uh, you know, and I don't frankly, I don't care if it changes the results. I don't want to see anybody's, uh, you know, legal, proper vote tossed out. And you just saved tens of thousands of them across uh, California, at least by my math. Uh, so, Julie, yeah. thank you for that. And thanks to all the folks at Ballots for Bernie for, for doing what you're doing and continuing to do uh, for the next couple of weeks here as they continue to tally ballots. Uh, Julie, is there a way that people I know that uh, Ballots for Bernie is sort of a loosely affiliated uh, group. Is there a way that people can contact them to learn from them, to join them? Or is this just a matter of, hey, jump in and get down to your registrar's office and start observing? Well, that's uh, actually a really simple way to do it. Anybody can go to the registrar's office at least in L.A. County. Mm -hmm. Now, they had problems in San Francisco and, and certainly other areas uh, where it was a little mm -hmm. touch and go. But ostensibly, one can show up and say, I'd like to learn about this process. I'd like to observe and, and understand it better, and they would be able to do so. But uh, for our purposes, ballotsforbernie.org was where uh, we were directing people to sign up, and then you would be contacted by a team mm -hmm. leader and and help or, uh, get you organized on a shift um, and so that we could, you know, have eyes on the ground uh, in each and every office across California. And believe me when I tell you, I was as shocked as anybody that, that this happened to be something I observed with my own eyes and was able to, um, as you say, you know, save these tens of thousands of, of votes from being discarded. It's kind of surreal. But um, anybody wow. can, can be powerful in, in this democracy here if you just open up your mouth and you know, use your voice and and focus on on you know what is right. And in this case, it's not about a candidate; it's about the fact that your vote should matter. Your voice and your eyes and your body actually getting down there and participating, even after you cast your vote. Your job is not done as a citizen, Julie Tyler. I know who knew. Yeah, well, I did. I've been trying to say that for years. Thank you for <laughs> uh, for doing for uh, uh, jumping in here, Julie Tyler, documentary filmmaker uh, from out here in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, and, uh, of course, with the group BallotsForBernie.org. Julie, thank you for everything, and uh, please stay in touch as this process moves forward. Absolutely, and great work to you, too. Thank you, Brad, for having me. You bet. All right, a quick break, and we are back with the Green News Report and maybe a little bit more right here on your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. 
Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going or even just a one-time only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Hey, Desi Doyen. Hey. Do you have any idea why Donald Trump gave a speech today in front of a wall of trash? No, I don't. <laughs> but I do know that it was supposed to be this big economic speech, and nobody apparently is paying attention to anything he actually said because they are fixated on the wall of trash yeah, behind him. It was about economic and trade policies. It was at a, someplace called Source. <laughs> Which I guess uh, they they produce aluminum and and uh, steel industry, and I guess it was uh, cans and so forth that are about to be bales of recycling into. right behind him, a, f- a huge wall of trash. So yes, but uh, very strange because it didn't seem to come into the actual speech, as far as I know. No, not as far as I can tell. He did come out against the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and right afterwards, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce panned the speech and panned his economic policy and said it was going to turn us into a recession because therefore. The Trans-Pacific Partnership. Speaking of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and actually specifically NAFTA, and the problem that uh, I think we both have with both NAFTA and the TPP, let's get to it. We've got something in here uh, in our latest Green News Report. Historic floods devastating coal mining country. More deadly floods, this time in West Virginia. Dozens of homes exploded. Roads covered in smoke and flames. Raging wildfire kills two in California, destroys hundreds of homes. Brexit could undermine international emissions agreement. Volkswagen to pay $15 billion in emissions cheating scandal. Plus, TransCanada demands $15 billion from the U.S. for rejecting its Keystone XL pipeline. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Tuning us live from the devastation this morning with the very latest is West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who's seen these types of floods a number of times in that state. Well, I've never seen anything like it in my life. Oh, man. Fox News, even when they cover climate change, they can't tell the truth about it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I hate it when stuff that you have warned us about for years actually comes to pass. But I'm afraid we're looking at that in both West Virginia and California today. Yes, unfortunately. More historic deadly floods, just like last year in South Carolina, just like two weeks ago in Houston, this week hitting West Virginia. 
President Obama has approved federal disaster aid, and West Virginia Governor Earl Ray Tomlin has declared a state of emergency after record rainfall triggered flash floods that have killed at least 23 people, destroyed thousands of homes and businesses across the state over the weekend. West Virginia's former governor and current Democratic Senator Joe Manchin said he has never seen anything like it. This is unbelievable. I mean, I've, I've never seen water this high. Water's just rose so quickly. There was such a deluge of water coming at us. It never aged up at all, and people just couldn't get out. Wow. And it hit for almost two days. One river rose nine feet in one hour. The PGA Tour canceled its event at Greenbrier Resort because the golf course was flooded. Now, the owner of that Greenbrier Resort is billionaire Jim Justice, a coal baron and climate science denier who also happens to be the Democratic Party's nominee for governor. And that gives you an indication of how bad things are in West Virginia coal country when the leading Democratic candidate for governor is also a climate change denier. Just unbelievable. What will it take. The National Weather Service has declared this a 1,000-year rainfall event, but these events are now happening so frequently that they may need to revise those metrics. It's the opposite problem in California, where Governor Jerry Brown has declared a state of emergency over fast-moving, deadly wildfire in Kern County, north of Los Angeles. That has killed at least two people and destroyed more than 200 homes, burning over 60 square miles. Driven by high winds and historic drought, officials now say firefighters are gaining some control over the blaze, despite working in temperatures over 100 degrees. And it's not the only fire. There are some nine different wildfires across Southern California as we go to air here today. In international news, in the wake of the monumental vote for Britain to exit the European Union, called Brexit for short, scientists and environmental groups are warning that it could have far-reaching implications for international climate change policy and agreements related to climate science research. Political leaders of the Leave campaign are climate science skeptics who could weaken Britain's progress in phasing out coal and its commitments to cut greenhouse gas emissions in the landmark Paris Agreement. If the exit Proceeds, UN officials say the Paris Agreement emissions targets may have to be recalibrated. In the U.S., pipeline company TransCanada on Friday officially filed a formal request seeking to recover costs and damages after President Obama rejected a permit for their controversial proposed Keystone XL pipeline across the U.S. They're using a mechanism in NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which allows foreign corporations to sue national governments over unfavorable regulations. Environmental groups say TransCanada's move illustrates how a similar mechanism in the pending TPP, or the Trans-Pacific Partnership, now awaiting approval by the U.S. Congress, can also be used to weaken environmental policy. So we used our own sovereign decision-making process on whether their pipeline can come down here into the U.S., and now they're saying we have to pay them $15 billion for having made that decision? That's right. Hell of a thing, these trade deals. How do I get a piece of that? Finally, Volkswagen has reached a settlement with federal regulators in its emissions cheating scandal. The German carmaker will pay over $15 billion in fines and penalties. It's the largest in automotive history after it admitted last fall that it intentionally installed illegal software on its cars to cheat on U.S. vehicle emissions tests. If approved by a federal court, the settlement includes an estimated $10 billion to buy back cars from owners in the U.S., $5 billion for environmental damages and investments in zero emissions vehicles. Earlier this month, Volkswagen announced a sweeping overhaul of its product line. It promises to deliver 30 new plug-in electric vehicles 
vehicle models within the next 10 years. And they continue to face criminal investigation as well in that scandal, do they not? Yes, they do. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Let me present to you my folks, folks, fucking blues. Ready to carry me away, a long way to reach the moon. Let me present to you my folks, folks, fucking blues. Desi Doyan, will Volkswagen save themselves by turning their uh, car line to an electric car line? They are giving themselves a fighting chance, uh, sort of uh, betting on the future, as it were, being forced to, yeah, <laughs> essentially. And we, and we talked about that right after the scandal broke with Steve Levine, who came on and said, yeah, that's what Volkswagen needs to do now to save itself. To is redeem themselves. Go electric. Yep. And it looks like maybe that's what they will be doing. A quick uh, note before we get out here. Uh, senior Turkish officials, according to AP, now say that nearly 50 people have been killed in the attack at the uh, Istanbul airport. And uh, Turkish officials suggest, uh, at least the initial indications suggest, that uh, the Islamic State group, ISIS, is behind that airport attack. So... That's a still-developing situation, not getting any better, probably going to get much worse over the next day or so. If it does, we will cover it right here on the Bradcast. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, to Julie Tyler, my guest today, filmmaker and citizen observer from Ballots for Bernie, and my thanks to you, as ever, for spending a portion of your day or night with me. I greatly appreciate it. If you missed today, any portion of today's program, you can download it for free at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where we hope you'll give us a good review, make it easy for the rest of the world to find us. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com or over on the Facebooks and the Twitters. You can find me at the bradblog. Use the hashtag bradcast. Okay, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Bye.